Welcome to the Swim Swam Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from my parents' house in Columbia, Missouri. We are joined by senior international reporter Loretta Race from Kentucky and Ben Dornan from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Is that the right order? Yeah, Halifax, (laughs) Nova Scotia. (laughs) All right. How are you guys doing? Just fine. It's a heat wave in the Midwest, so I don't know where it is where you are. Oh, my gosh. It's like 90-something degrees right now, so. Yeah. It's a Canadian heat wave here. It's like, it's, it's pretty warm, but definitely not as warm as it is in Kentucky. But <laughs> it's kind of just like muggy, you know, just, mm. just dry. Yeah. It's, it's quite hot where I am too. It's about the same as Kentucky, but I love this weather. So I'm not oh complaining too much, <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, we got a short and sweet breakdown for you this week because we will be coming at you with much, much, much more media about the world championships. We're going to give you a teeny tiny little preview today on the breakdown. We're going to go through and just say what one event we are looking forward to the most to watching in Budapest. Loretta, let's start with you. One event you're looking forward to the most at World Championships. It was so hard to pick an event. I mean, because it's like literally, okay, yeah, there's some big stars missing and that's going to kind of put a dent in some of the competition. But for the most part, most of the fields are whole, which made it difficult, you know? So I was looking at the men's 2IM because the top four finishers in Tokyo at the Olympic Games are most likely going to be in the final here in in Budapest. So we have Wing Shun from China, Duncan Scott from GBR, uh, Jeremy Desplanche from Switzerland, and Diacido from Japan. So who is retired? Higino, Che. So ooh-hoo, we're not going to see them, which is kind of sad. But that means we're going to see some new people, which I'm excited about, like Matt Sates from South Africa. Very excited to see what he's going to do. Carson Foster from the United States. Another guy who throws down a lot of impressive times, but maybe not at the right meets, but we'll see what he's going to do in Budapest. And then one that I personally feel should have been included in the top eight is uh, Hungary's Hubert Koss, the the European junior record holder in the 2IM. I feel like his best time is, I believe, 156.99. So he's, you know, off of 155, which is what Wing Chun did in Tokyo, but he's in the mix for at least a minor medal let alone the top eight. So I'm kind of picking Hubert as like my, my sleeper pick for the 2IM. So, and then obviously Marshawn from uh, France slash Arizona State University is another huge name you have to put in there as well. So really, I mean, you're, I've just named like 10 people. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's only eight going to be in the final. So it's going to be kind of- Yeah, I feel like we have to be one. grateful. We have to be like grateful when there is an event at this world championships that we don't know who's going to be in the top eight. Like when there still is that fight to get into the final, I feel like there's not, there's less events this year um, than than, than usual. Right. Right. And then we have Lewis Clairbert from New Zealand who finaled in this in Tokyo as well, but he was hit with COVID. He was out of the water. So he might be just, I don't know, kind of on a taper kind of situation (laughs) where he's like ready to go or it might not work out for him. So that's even another person. So that's why I chose the men's 2IM. So it's, it's going to be hot. <laughs> Especially because he has such a big base from the 4IM that yeah. I was maybe, you know, if, if he's going to have one event that might be better than the other, maybe he'll, you know, shine in the 2IM. That's it. That's we it. shall see. Yeah. All right, Ben, what do you got for us? My event is the 400IM or sorry, 400 freestyle for the women. Um, also, it was really hard to I was almost going to go with the men's 100 breaststroke, but we'll have to save that um, for another day. Um, but the women's 400 freestyle, I think, 
or for what, like the last 10 years, the story has just been that Katie Ledecky is going to win and then there might be a little battle for silver and bronze. But now I think that the benefit of Ariane Timmis, even though she's not here, is that the story can now not just be Katie Ledecky is going to win. It can be, can Katie Ledecky get back her world record? Will she ever go a best time again? So even though we don't have the, the Timmis Ledecky showdown again this year, um, the, I think that any time either Titmus or Ledecky races at a major international meet, um, whether or not they're both there, um, that that battle is always going to be present. And I think that we'll also get to see that at Commonwealth Games um, when Titmus races it later. So I think that for the first time in a while, it's been kind of exciting. Well, in Tokyo, it was exciting because Titmus was there. But for the first time in a while that that it's not Ledecky versus Titmus, the the Ledecky storyline has gotten a little bit more interesting. Um, and then behind that, there's a lot of swimmers who have been a 401, 400. Um, it's kind of like a return for Leah Smith, who won a bunch of medals in, in that like 2015, 2019 range, um, was an Olympic medalist in, I think, the 800. Is that right? In the 800, uh, I think she won bronze. Okay, 400. Okay, so this event. 400. Um, and kind of also a return for Lanny Pallister from Australia, who had uh, struggles with an eating disorder and kind of didn't like hit her potential last year um, when she was trying to make the Olympics. But but she did really she did really well. She went a four hundred two twenty one best time at Australian trials. Yeah, I was um, just looking that up. I was like, I knew Kia Milverton got third, and I honestly can't yeah. remember. Yeah. So I was just looking that up. Yeah, she did best times. Lanny did like around I think every event. Yeah, she was four hundred two twenty one. That's yeah. like big time. Yeah. And so, and I know we always talk about how Australia, a lot of them do better at trials, but we don't know if that's true for Lanny Pallister. We haven't seen her do that progression from trials to a major international meet since 2019, when I think she, she did pretty good at, at world juniors. Yes. Um, so I think, I don't know, maybe that riding that high for Marianne's um, 400 free world record, we could see Pallister do something. Then of course, there's Summer McIntosh who, I don't want to say that I don't think that she's a lock for silver because I'm a Canadian and like oh, Summer McIntosh, but but we haven't we haven't seen her win a medal at a major international meet yet. So and she has a lot of events that she could swim. We're still not sure what anyone's swimming because the psych sheets aren't out. But um, and then Li Bingji, we always forget about a lot of Chinese swimmers because they you know they don't race a lot publicly during the in season. She swam a I think a four or three it was um, in September maybe, but she's the Olympic bronze medalist. She's the reigning Olympic bronze medalist. So, um, and only one person in this field beat her Ledecky. So I don't know. I think that it's an interesting race with, with the different storylines of Smith and Pallister returning summer McIntosh coming onto the field, not knowing where Bingji will be and Tang Muhan as well. She's, she's going to be there. She was a 401 last year um, in September at that same meet. So there's just so many 401s and, Mm -hmm. I don't think we've seen very many people crack the four minute barrier in, in quite some time. I think, is it only Titmus and Ledecky who have done that or is there one more? Pellegrini definitely has. Yeah, right. Um, Cause she had the world record and I'm not super sure about anyone else, but yeah. I thought maybe one of the Chinese, I thought maybe Wang Jianjiahi maybe did, or I might be thinking of her short course meters time. Maybe. But- <laughs> yeah, but the I, I think it was Braden who had said, you know, this the seeing Titmus go 356 might open the floodgates for a bunch mm-hmm. of 358s. And it seems like yeah. 
with you talking about that field, this, this is the prime moment to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just opened the, um, our preview on the site, which I think Yan Yan wrote and it's in terms of lifetime best, it's 401, 401, 400, 401, 402, 402, 403. So we could see it. I don't yeah. know. We could see someone get it. It's going to be just a herd of like thoroughbred yeah. horses, like racing down the swimming lanes. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it'll be really interesting to see where Ledecky is in her first meet, you know, big meet with Florida. And yeah, that's that's going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I've got the women's four by two free relay, mostly because the A, it was the most exciting race to watch for me uh, at Tokyo because it was so, unex- you know, we thought Australia was going to run away with it. Um, like the Brits did on the men's side. And then it, it was like such a barn burner. Um, it came, three teams got under the previous world record uh, with China getting gold, US right behind them for silver, and then Australia in there with the bronze. And then I, we don't really know again what it's going to be because there's so much change within the teams, right? Like, again, China is kind of a question mark. Um, they might, I, I honestly don't know how many, of their uh, core will be returning. I'm assuming at least three of the four, um, most likely four of the four. I think but, it's four of the four. Okay. Um, but then like the U S one of the four uh, in the finals with Katie Ledecky is the only returning from the finals, Australia. I think two of the four is Leah Neal on the team. Does anyone know? She I'll was definitely to top six. In the 200, but I don't know if, if the names are taken. Gotcha. So either one or two of the four for Australia. Um, and so, you know, again, China, the presumable favorite if they're returning all four, but I think it still has the potential, especially with a lot with us and Australia having a lot of young guns. Canada is definitely also going to be in the mix. They were right there for fourth place in that race. And so um, I think that is just going to be an exciting event to watch. I mean, sheesh, the U S could be off the podium in that. Um, and like, you know, they could still put up a really, really solid time. Um, but those four teams in Tokyo were just really stellar. And, uh, I think we're going to see probably not three teams under the world record, but I think we're going to see some once again, stellar performances in that one. Yeah. And one more thing for Canada for that really is that, Taylor Ruck, I don't think she swam on the final relay last year, but she's, it seems like she might be better this year. Um, so she I think they had a 157. They did. Rebecca Smith was 157. Oh, and, and the interesting thing about that. Yeah. And Rebecca Smith actually swam a 155 in prelims. So if she had put that 155 in the final, then I don't know if they would have gotten bronze, but. I don't believe so, but they, I mean, no. certainly would have been closer. Yeah, it just feels like, yeah, Canada has the potential to, in a few places, to get into the top three. Well, I just looked, and Leah Neal is going to be there. And then I also wanted to look at, because I feel like, okay, yeah, Titmus obviously isn't going to be there. Okay, but we do have Molly O'Callaghan, which is like stealth city when it comes to just throwing down these freakishly fast times, um, which we, you know, we're kind of. Yeah, so she wasn't there before. Obviously, she's kind of like having her coming out party now, but she's 154.94 was her final um, in the 200 free. And that won the, the trials um, in Australia. So if she can put up something like, you know, a little bit faster factoring in, if she doesn't lead off, you know, relay exchanges, like that, that's a huge game changer. 
Well, yeah. yeah. And to remind viewers of what happened, she actually led off in 155.11 in Tokyo in the prelims for a world junior record. But then Australia kept her off the finals relay because they there were four swimmers that either they had to use on that relay because of rules or because they they or they chose to use because they thought they would be faster, which I think it was Emma McKeon and Ariane Titmus. Um, mm-hmm. But they had to put Maddie Wilson and Leah Neal on. They did. So, uh, Molly dropped a 155.11 yes. uh, leadoff. Yes. That's from a flat mm-hmm. start. Um, so, yeah, it seems like <laughs> so she's only gotten faster. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right. So that is our mini world champs preview. We'll have lots more content for world champs as the week rolls out, but that's really all we've got aside from our favorite game, sink or swim. First up today on sink or swim Paige Madden announced that she will be spending the next two years at Loughborough university, uh, getting her master's being a professional swimmer. Um, I actually, I did a video feature about what is so attractive about going to Loughborough, um, as a professional athlete looking to get their masters. I think a couple key factors in this are a it's way cheaper master's degree than in the U S uh, B you can do it part-time so you can get your degree, a master's degree in two years, which gives you a lot of leeway to focus on being a professional swimmer while still getting a degree and see it's a smaller training group. There's two coaches, Ian and Andy, um, Ian's kind of more of the sprinty side. Andy's more the middle distance distance side. Um, and there's about 12 athletes in the elite group total 12 to 14. And so it's a lot more, uh, coach based there, sorry, just a lot more personal coaching and a lot more, immediate feedback of, okay, do this. All right. We see it. Let's make adjustment. All right. Do it again. Um, just in, as opposed to a college team that has a pro group where the coaches are focusing a lot of their time and energy on the college team. Right. Um, so the sink or swim that that's, that's the context (laughs) for this. Um, and I I'm fresh on this just cause I was just there and we talked about this, but we've seen, a lot of NCAA uh, products take this route. Felix Abach, Louise Hansen, Katie DeLoof is now there. She followed Felix there. Um, Andreas Visayos and now Paige Madden. So sink or swim, we are going to start seeing more U.S. athletes take the route of pursuing a master's degree internationally and continuing their professional swimming career. I'm actually going to sink it. I think this is just what's happening now. Um, I don't think it's going to be like just opening the floodgates and all of a sudden there's going to be this mass exodus out of the United States. I really feel like it's kind of just personal scenarios that are making it fit for them. Um, But if, you know, the ISL comes back, there's still a professional career to be had in the United States, you know, as a U.S. swimmer, that is. So I don't know. I don't feel like it's, it's enough evidence to say, yes, more people are going to do this. So I'm thinking it. I'm going to sink it as well. Um, because I, I think I agree with Rita. And I think that Katie DeLoof was less of a surprise because we know that she's dating Felix, which kind of makes sense that they, they want to go train together. And, and, um, and she was accepted in that training group. I was a bit more surprised at Paige Madden because I don't really know what that connection was 
why she went there if she had an opportunity through ISL or if she met through someone through ISL or coach. Um, but I don't know. I think that my reason for sinking it mainly is because the benefit seems like a smaller training group and more of a like a one-on-one or one-on-four coaching experience. And I don't see Loughborough, is it Loughborough? Loughborough? Mm-hmm. Loughborough. Loughborough. Loughborough, specifically Loughborough, letting in a bunch of, of new swimmers and kind of, because I'm sure they can't just like hire a bunch of new coaches and keep the same ratio. So I don't see them kind of allowing an influx of swimmers to kind of take away that that distinguishing characteristic of, of uh, not that many swimmers and of, uh, just a few coaches who are able to then focus on it. So so aside from Paige Madden going over there, which was a bit um, surprising to me, I don't, I don't see a huge influx going to Loughborough. Maybe we see swimmers trying to go other places in, in Europe and trying to like, maybe we see some teams in Europe trying to build more teams out that way, but I don't see that happening yet. Um, so I'm going to sink it for now, but, but, but maybe, maybe Paige Madden and Katie Blue started something. Well, I'm obviously swimming it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one piece of context, I know Paige Madden's mom had studied abroad. Um, I, I don't remember if she, it was like a master's or it was just a year in her undergrad, but I know mm-hmm. she'd had that experience and was kind of a proponent of like, you know, this could be a really good option. Um, I know Paige was, you know, pretty academically inclined and wanted to get a master's somewhere. And again, I think, uh, Loretta, I think you're right in terms of this is going to be kind of a particular situation where it fits for certain people. Um, but I think the benefit to Loughborough for this is that, um, I Ben, I think you're correct that they won't just let anyone in, but this could attract high level athletes that want that more one-on-one type of coaching and also want to get a master's degree or just another degree, want to keep doing academics in some form. Um, and so I think that's going to be a pretty good look, look like a pretty good situation for some people. The, the benefit to Loughborough is that they get to coach the world's best, right? They kind of get recognition as a university team, uh, for coaching a Louise Hansen or a Felix Aubach when they win a world title, you know, or go win an Olympic medal or something like that. Um, well, and then the flip side also is they get to swim at British universities and colleges championships, Bucks. So yes. Loughborough gets to, yeah, re- rack all these points up from these awesome swimmers like they did at the, the long course this past February. So because um, Louise Hansen swam and, and um, you know, so did Felix. So anyway, so that's another upside for the university itself. They can kick butt. <laughs> So, I mean, it's uh, to me, honestly, it's kind of like what the NCAA has been doing for mm. 20, you know, forever, right? They've been recruiting international talent to come get a degree, compete for their college, mm-hmm. and then go win medals for that university um, mm-hmm. internationally. And so yeah. I'd be surprised if more people don't, because Loughborough has, um, this is one of the reasons they had me out there, right? Because they kind of want to get this message out. So I'd be surprised if more people don't at least start looking in that direction, but I'd also be more surprised if more international universities don't at least kind of start thinking about this because it's like, there's no real down. There might be tons of downsides, but it like, (laughs) it seems like a really good situation 
for international universities, it's like, if you can attract top level talent and give them a good deal and give them good coaching, like why wouldn't people want to have an experience like that? Mm. But so only time will tell (laughs) (laughs) next up, uh, the swim, swam poll of the week. Will we see a 143, 200 meter free at Budapest world championships? I think we've sunk our swim. This yes. before. We've certainly talked about it on the breakdown, but it was the poll of the week. So we're sinker swimming it again, 143 in the men's 200 meter free at world champs sink or swim. Sinking it. See all my other podcasts where I've sunk it. It's, it's going to be sunk. It's not happening. I'll eat a fin. Whoever said that? Who said that with something? I'll eat a fin. If somebody does the 143. <laughs> wow. Okay. You're consistent. Ben, what do you think? I I am going to sink it again. I feel like Braden's going to get mad that I just keep agreeing with everyone, but I'm going to sink it because I just don't know who's going to do it. I feel like Duncan Scott was the best bet. And I know people keep commenting like he's not as sick as you think he is, but I, we, we have, no one has any way of knowing how sick he is of COVID-19 right now. And it's just so close to it. And I think that Duncan Scott and Tom Dean, I guess, would be the closest to do it. But I don't know. I just feel like we need at least one 144 in the world right now to like actually be able to predict a 143. And we haven't had any 144s yet. So I don't know. I don't see it happening. I want it to happen. I don't know. Maybe Lucas Martins has some more, some more gas in him. He's pretty fast. Went a 145, 44. And that had a crazy 400. So I think Popovich would be my leading candidate to hit that, but it's, I, I love David, but I don't think it's going to happen this time. It's not happening. I already sunk it. So it's not. (laughs) All right. I'm I'm sticking with my toxic positivity uh, or my toxic (laughs) optimism. I'm swimming this. I think after all the 144s we saw in between the final and the 800 free relay, it was like seven or eight, at least, I think. I think one of those dudes can go 143.9. <laughs> I do. I believe it in my heart of hearts. I think it can happen. They were, Dean and Duncan were both 44 one, 44 four. They were close. Yeah. Yeah. So but, I, but, I think but not. <laughs> one of them can drop a couple tens. Um, okay. 44 two. They were both 44 two. Oh, so close. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, okay. Katinka did an interview. I honestly forget who with, but she basically said she didn't know about, um, her swimming future. She wants to start a family. She's like, Paris isn't really in my line of vision, uh, for, for the next few years. Um, so do you think that the iron lady, we will see the iron lady in Paris competing? I'm going to swim it. Because I think that a lot of swimmers say that they're going to finish at a certain point and then they end up not doing that. I think that a lot of the times when a swimmer says I'm done now, then it kind of sticks. But a lot of the times when swimmers kind of look two years into the future, one year into the future and say, that's when I'm going to retire, doesn't actually end up happening. I feel like Pellegrini is someone who did that. She said that she was going to retire like three times and lucky for us, she didn't. We got more years of Pellegrini, which was enjoyable. Um, But I think that one thing in that interview that, stuck out to me was that she said she wanted 100 major international medals which is olympics worlds just olympics and worlds right it didn't encounter uh, it didn't yes. include europeans 
Or no, I think it does include European championships because there's no uh, issue. Current, she's currently at 96 Olympic Games, long course and short course worlds and long course and short course Europeans. Right. So it does include Europeans. And I feel like she's someone who's kind of always been focused on those numbers, like knowing that she has the most world championship title or world cup gold medals and stuff like that. So I feel like she's going to go until she hits that 100 and I don't think she's going to medal at a major international worlds or Olympics. I think she could potentially have a European podium in her European championships podium in her um, at some point. And I think that if that takes her until 2024 or after 2024, she will keep going. Um, And I want her to, I think that she's kind of been on a downward trajectory in terms of her times of, of recent years, but she's still one of the greatest swimmers ever. And if we can have her around for longer, I think it's a good storyline to, to keep the sport interesting. So I think that it's, it's possible we see her in Paris for what her like sixth Olympics, probably fifth, maybe. <laughs> I'm thinking it. I'm, I am thinking it because she does want to start a family. She's 33 years old. She opened a restaurant this week as well in Hungary. So she's oh. now a businesswoman on top of other things. And I feel like she just hasn't really inserted herself into the spotlight as much as she has in the past. So I do feel like she's, she's slowly kind of like, like kind of just retreating, you know, and, and I feel like she's not doing anything to further her swimming career, but she's still kind of doing her thing so that she'll get through this world. I think she will be at next year's worlds. And I personally think that's going to be her last um, her last Fukuoka is going to be the last um, world championships for her. So I think she's going to kind of, hopefully wind out uh wind up on top at least get one or two medals who knows like you said it's probably more likely at europeans but um her 4 am i think she was 435 or 437 this this season so she's potentially you know going to be in the mix um for yeah. even budapest um but i don't she i'm thinking it she's not going to be in paris so now that's two fins i have to eat <laughs> <laughs> not until 20 20- 24 though that one yeah that, two fin can, that fin's got a while i <laughs> wish i could sink this i i really think it's like dude why Impossible. wouldn't you just compete like she i think she can get 100 medals i'm kind of in agreement with ben i don't she might be able to medal in the two i am at this world's but it's like short course euros or even short course worlds it's like I feel like Katinka can definitely reach the hundred goal, but uh, I just don't see why, like if it's two years away, she could like poop out a 200 IM with very little training and qualify for the, for the Olympics. Right. And it's in her home home continent. Like Paris is like right there. (laughs) Um, I agree. But we've, we've also seen so many athletes, like so many of the best swimmers have babies and then go back and be like, I still want to swim. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, the restaurant, the restaurant information kind of swayed me a little bit. That's kind of cool though that she was in the restaurant. Yeah. It's actually called cool. I don't know how you pronounce it in Hungarian, but it's like K, I think K and then three O's L or it's something along those lines. So it is really cool. Oh, it's literally very cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The Iron Lady just building her legacy or adding to her legacy, rather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next up, uh, we put out an article 
speculating that if the super suits from the 2008, 2009 years were still legal, what the world records would be oh now. Um, in particular, it had the Caleb Dressel holding the men's 100 free record at 46.0 and Sarah Showstrom having the women's world record at 50.9. So my question for you, so this is a two-part sink or swim. We'll do one at a time. First of all, if suits were still legal today, would someone have broken 46 in the men's 100-meter freestyle? I'm saying yes. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. totally swimming it. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally swimming it. I feel like Dressel, Chom, I mean, suit up anybody. And that amount of buoyancy, the pool would go on fire. It really would. So <laughs> I'm totally, yes, swimming it. Somebody would totally break that record. The 100 free, yes. Yeah. I think I, I'm going to swim it too. I, what is it? It's a 40, I'm looking 46.91. And what has Dressel right. been? 46.94, I believe. Or 94. 94 or 96. He's been yeah, right around there. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that it hasn't. One thing that I was looking at, and this is kind of going to the women's one, but um, Britta Stefan, who is kind of the, was the world record holder around the time that super suits were um, came into force. The, the specific ones that were kind of crazy came in around in 2008, I think. Is that correct? The, the crazy, specific... crazy ones were 2009. The, 2009. The first super suits were introduced in 2008, but right. then the really nutso ones were in 2009. <laughs> okay, so Britta Stefan in European Championships 2006, she set the world record at a 53.30 and then Two years later, Libby Trickett broke it with a 52.88. And then Britta Stefan broke it four times. And by the end of her world record setting, which happened at German Championships twice, World Championships twice, 2009, she was a 52.07. So that's three years later, she goes from a 53.3 to a 52.07. And I don't, I don't know how much of that, it's, it's hard to, impossible to tell how much of that comes from her just getting better at swimming in three years and from the suits, which were introduced in that time. But I think going from a 53.30 to a 52.07, and then you look at Schustrom, who has a 51.71, you wouldn't even need to take off that much time that Stefan did in order for her to get under 51 seconds. So I, I would sink, swim both of them for that reason, that I think that, I, I don't know, it, it seems like I didn't even realize how much the world records improved, not just how many world records, but how much they improved by percentage wise. Um, so I'm going to swim that both of them, both of those barriers would have been broken by then. Ben, you really jumped the gun. We were going one at a time. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it's just because I was That's more okay. looking at, at Britta Stefan's record. I don't know why. Sorry about that. Uh, so you're swimming both of them. Loretta. Yes. So Ben already went, what do you, do you think that a woman would have broken 50 one seconds at this point and yes. meter free. Yes, I definitely do. I mean, Kate Campbell, Sarah Showstrom, I mean, there's a number. Anyone on the Australian team that's in the upper echelons right now, again, you put like a rubber suit on them and it would have been broken. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do have to swim it on the women's side. I think someone would have gone under 50 one seconds in the long course, hundred meter freestyle by now between Showstrom, Kate Campbell, her in-season swims are always crazy. She has some good taper swims too, but yeah. Uh, McKeon. 
Yeah. I think someone would have on the men's side. I think I'm going to sink it. I think 46 46 one is like a good assessment, but for that to drop another full second, I just don't see it. I mean, you'd have to be out in like 21 low or 20 point. You're like a seal, like underwater. You're like, you know what I mean? You're like skimming under those, you know, and like totally streamlined and just really smooth. Everything's beating off you off the turns. Well, and it's like, it's, it's hard too, because in 2008 and 2009, everyone was like super bulky, right? Because you put on the suit. And then, especially on the men's side, you'd like put on the suit and kind of like shove everything in and then go. And the dudes were just huge. Like Elaine Bernard. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But now it's like, you know, Caleb is not that big of a dude comparatively to like to Elaine Bernard. Right. Um, Kyle, not that big, like they're lean and athletic and really powerful for their size. And so it's hard to kind of predict because I think athletes would look completely different if we had had a whole decade of suits, but I, I, I just don't see, I don't see it falling that far on the men's side, but that's pure speculation. We'll never know. So (laughs) who cares? All right. Well, this has been the Swim Swam Breakdown, your week's news in swimming. Stay tuned every single day this week and next week for full world championship coverage on Swim Swam.